With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the to... Oscar goes to... Gentlemen, my only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Could have been a contender. Fasten your... I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me... Mr. Welcome to the next best picture podcast. And the Oscar goes to Green Book. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of the Next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia. Time of recording, 11.14 a.m. on Sunday, March 17th, 2019. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Join me for this podcast. I have Will Mavity. Hi, everybody. Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Deanne Knighton. Hi. Nicole Ackman. Hi, guys. And Tom O'Brien. Top of the morning. Yes, this is your day today, Mr. O'Brien, yes. right? Tom, you a beer drinker or a wine guy? No, I'm 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 a Jameson guy. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Fancy answer for you all. Um, I guess I could start us off here today by saying, uh, once again, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. And I saw The Departed yesterday, and I was wondering if anybody else watched any Irish-themed films this weekend. But if you did or did not, I'm going to ask you the more general question, which I always start off our episodes with. What did everyone see this week? Will, why don't we first start off with you? Uh, unfortunately, my favorite film I saw this week is still under embargo. Ah, yes. Yes, but I, I saw a very enjoyable animated film that I can't talk about yet. Yep, I know what you're talking about. Okay, all right, that's fair. Uh, Michael, what about you? I didn't see a single thing this week. Really? And you say it with such yeah, you say it with such pride and happiness. It sounds like, <laughs> it's like I'm, I've escaped the clutches of Oscar season and can now explore other aspects of life until we get back into that <laughs> festival Oscar realm. Somebody was actually asking me uh, earlier. They were saying to me, "You know, what do you do once Oscar season is over? Do you kind of sleep for a month?" And I was like, "Nah, Sundance in January, February. We're looking out for you know what's going to be the next Black Panther or Get Out, and it's just it's nonstop, you know." It never ends. Reruns of The Office, if that counts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Deanne, what about you? Um, you know, I filled in a hole that I've had for a long time after seeing Captain Marvel. I and p- hearing people talk about Short Term Twelve, I was like, it is finally time. It was just one of those ones that escaped me. So it's on Amazon Prime right now. So I caught up with that excellent movie. So good, you guys. I'm sure you know that. I'm sure everyone's seen it. But um, if you haven't, I would recommend that. And then I also rewatched Easy A which is a lot of fun too. Um, Some of it holds up. It's not quite, you know, we've had so many things kind of come behind it that kind of have some of the same tone and feel, but it it did remind me that it kind of set the stage for a lot of what's being made right now. Things like eighth grade 
and uh, um, Edge of Seventeen, etc. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that for sure. And of course, you know, um, Mean Girls is a part of that, and there's a bunch of others now within that like subgenre. And hey, we're gonna get um, from South by Southwest this week. Uh, we're gonna get uh, oh god, what's it called? Booksmart. Oh right, yeah, it's gonna be added probably to that genre. So that's very exciting. That's it for me. We'll be talking more about South by Southwest in a little bit here. Nicole, what about you? What did you catch up on this week? Uh, so I saw The Aftermath, um, which is a new Kira Knightley period drama, which if you read, uh, read my blog post, you might know is one of my favorite genres. And this one just doesn't quite hold up. There's a lot of plot holes in it. I mean, the performances are great. And it's a really interesting concept of kind of like, what did Germany look like in the months following the end of World War II? And kind of what was the experience for the British officers and their wives who were still stationed there? But it just, the script doesn't really live up to the concept. Especially because I also, in preparation for writing that blog post, watched Atonement for the first time earlier this week. Which was a gap that I'd known I needed to fill as a huge Keira Knightley and a huge Saoirse Ronan fan. Um, But I'd kind of been putting it off because I knew that it was going to wreck me. And it did wreck me. Um, and also, I think, is going to make anything else that I watch for the next couple of weeks not look as good. So That's fair. Yeah. Amazing. I haven't seen Atomid since uh, it came out in 2007, right? Yeah, seven. Yeah, wow. 2007. Yeah. That movie's wonderful. Really that iconic is. green dress. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Which is apparently yeah. actually a top and a skirt. Oh, wow. See? Yeah. There you go. Sarah Sharon yeah. is so, I mean, she's terrific, but her character is so rotten. Oh, God, just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I love her in it. Definitely early promise of what was to come from such a talented actress, that's for and sure. Vanessa Redgrave in that finale. Oh. oh, my God. It's just full of really talented people. Like, I didn't realize Harriet Walters in, like, a small role in it. Like, it's just a really beautifully made film. Don't forget creepy Benedict Cumberbatch. Bite it. Mm-mm. Oh, God. Uh, Tom, what about you? What did you catch up on this week? Uh, I, I caught up on, uh, I don't think we've talked about this yet on the podcast. I caught up with the Vincent D'Onofrio Western, The Kid. Oh, no, yeah. I don't think anyone has seen that, maybe, other than you. Yep, well, yeah. well, um, there's a whole lot of speechifying in it. Mm. Uh, you don't have to worry about what's on the characters' minds because they'll tell you. <laughs> at length. <laughs> so that's uh, but it's nice to see the old Magnificent Seven trio of uh, Ethan Hawke and D'Onofrio and uh, Chris Pratt together. Uh, it's interesting to see Chris Pratt as a heavy. Uh, doesn't quite pull it off. He's really good in the beginning because he's shot in shadow and he's uh, dropped his voice considerably. So it was like, okay, he's got this. The But the end, he comes back and uh, there's a very unfortunate monologue he's uh, been given about bluebirds that sort of blows the whole thing. Jeez. <laughs> There's a reason it's only playing in a handful of theaters, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it probably will be out by next weekend. But, you know, I, I'm a nut for Westerns, especially for town Westerns. You know, Westerns that are set, you know, in, you know sort of downtown Nothingville. And um, this one uh, this one fit the bill quite nicely. And uh, the acting was was pretty good. Actually, and uh, they were obviously working on a small budget, and uh, D'Onofrio made the most of it. It's promising. It's not great, but it's promising. Okay. All right. Well, that's fair. All right. Well, with that said, then, uh, for myself, what did I see this week? 
I saw The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Uh, that is Terry Gilliam's uh, newest movie. And it is a mess, as per usual, from Terry Gilliam. Uh, art direction, costumes, makeup, things like that are pretty spectacular at times. And Adam Driver gives a really, really funny performance, unlike anything I think we've ever seen him do before. So that was very exciting, because this is like like full slapstick humor coming from him. And I just really appreciated seeing that uh, layer that he was able to bring to it as an actor. Something that, like I said, I just feel like I haven't seen before. Um, Five Feet Apart, saw that. And it was basically The Fault in Our Stars too. So I don't really need to add anything else other than that. Other than also to say that Haley Lou Richardson is going to be such a big freaking star. I predict that with the right role, she's going to breed Larson room herself to an Oscar win pretty soon. I really, really believe that because she, she's just somebody who, I, I tell you, like every role that she gets, no matter what it is, she kills it every time. She's really good in The Edge of 17. Yeah. She's great in Columbus. Great. great in Support the yep. Girls. S- support the Girls. She's amazing. Yeah, really- Support the Girls, of course. Uh, then I saw uh, this very small film called Diane, uh, which was uh, written and directed by um, the, the NYFF uh, festival director, uh, Ken Jones. And it's starring uh, Mary Kay Place, Jake Lacey. It premiered last year at the Tribeca Film Festival, and that screened again most recently in New York. And that's a really empathetic, deeply moving drama. That's a look at this woman's life as she's watching uh, her friends really kind of all die. And she's constantly in fear that her son, who's a drug addict, is also going to die. It's a very, very beautiful film. Uh, very existential. Kind of reminded me of First Reformed at times. Uh, very, very well done. And then after that, I also saw Captive State, which Josh Parham and I did a podcast review on, and I'll let people check that out to hear more thoughts on that. And I saw uh, Mike Lee's Peterloo, but I'm not allowed to say anything about it. So there's that. Wait, Peterloo, didn't it already premiere at a fall festival? Yeah. But you can't talk about it. Well, yeah. Okay, but it sounds like pretty in line with what we come to expect from the reactions. Yeah, yeah, no, they were pretty much all spot on for the most part. It's two and a half hours long, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna just re-emphasize that it's two and a half hours long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Mike Lee, you know, he could do two and a half hour Mr. Turner and have that be pretty thrilling. I love Mr. Turner, but this just the concept of Peter Lou, I I just can't bring myself to get to a theater for that. Well, Mr. Turner benefited from having the central character and performance from Timothy Spall. Peterloo does not have that. Let me just leave it at that. So, mm-hmm. all right, moving on then from uh, everything that we watched uh, this week. There were a couple things that we also got a chance to watch this week. We got a lot of trailers at least that we all watched online. Some of them we've uh, talked about teasers for here on the show. But I actually want to talk about, uh, first and foremost, <sighs> guys, Avengers Endgame is coming. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm getting this feeling. Seriously, I'm starting to get tingles just thinking about it right now. I think the film could really seriously do a billion dollars domestically. Uh, uh, I think Star Wars, which came close, it was like 900-some, that was a really big deal because it was coming years after the original franchise and people had to go see it. At this point, if you didn't go see uh, Infinity War, I don't think you're going to go see this one. Like, I think this yeah. is 
pretty much going to copy what Infinity War did. It's not going to bring in any new fans per se. Well, l- let's talk about the trailer and just most recently released, and then I'll tell you why I feel this way. God, seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave, became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. The world has changed. None of us can go back. All we can do is our best. And sometimes the best that we can do is to start over. All these people die. I keep telling everybody they should move on. Some do, but not us. Even if there's a small chance, we owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Okay, so the reason why I I feel this way is because the trailers, we've gotten two now, and we have not gotten a glimpse of Thanos other than his hand. We don't really know much about the plot. I mean, you could kind of, I guess, read into what the plot is if you're like really, really into it. But realistically speaking, Marvel is holding back so much information that I do believe that the curiosity factor is there even more so than it was with Infinity War to find out what exactly is going to happen in this film. I agree. I I feel like most of what we saw in this new trailer could easily be the first 10 or 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't feel like it gave away much of anything. Um, and so for that reason, yeah, I do think that um, they're trying to create some mystery around it. And any people will see Endgame or, you know, whenever you have end or final, I do think that that does bring people to the theater. Yeah, as like a a casual Marvel fan, like I am not caught up. I still haven't seen Infinity War, but I saw this most recent trailer and I was like, okay, so I've got a deadline. I've got to catch up on everything or otherwise I'm just going in reading some Wikipedia plots because I have to see this. And let's also look at it from this perspective too. The way I think that they're setting it up is when Endgame is over, that's going to close a chapter on a lot of these characters' storylines. and so. When you're saying, Nicole, I need to get caught up. Yeah, I do believe that, like, you 
you have to get caught up for this, but anything beyond this, I don't know if we'll have to be fully caught up, so to speak, you know, going all the way back to 2008, 2009, you know, those early, you know, movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. Because I feel like they're really forging a new path with Captain Marvel leading the new uh, Avengers team. And it's kind of, you know, they're, they're phasing one thing out and they're bringing in something entirely new. I was glad they reminded me of some of the people that, you know, were lost in the, oh, sorry, Nicole, spoiler. But it's, yeah, okay, that we're lost. In, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't protect you from yourself with this one. Um, but yeah, with the snap, I was, because I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, oh my God, I got to go read. I don't even remember all the people that disappear at the end of that movie. It's true. But, you know, it it, it, it did have a nice feeling. Of, uh, your, your emphasis on the characters, I think, is right. The trailer had, you know, the first part of it, the black and white part of it was like, you know, previously on the Avengers and we got, we got caught up. We saw everybody again and it got me excited even with no new footage. It's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. I'm there. And I think that's probably what the trailer was supposed to do. Now what's everyone's opinions on the movie leading more heavily in on the original Avengers group and obviously playing off because let's be, let's be very clear. The characters that got dusted are coming back. But the film is trying to play it off like they're not going to come back. And I'm just curious, like, how everyone feels about seeing a movie for a huge chunk of the runtime, not featuring people like Spider-Man, Black Panther. You know, what, what's everyone's thoughts on that? I've heard, it's, I've heard it's less than 45 minutes of like that of a three hour movie. Most of it has everybody. See, like the weird thing, too. Uh, I was thinking about this after watching the trailer. They haven't even revealed through any of this footage what like the giant set pieces are you know we knew from infinity war that there was going to be a huge battle in wakanda and i i i don't know what's happening in this movie <laughs> you know i have no yeah, idea what to expect anything yeah i must confess and i'm afraid matt's going to jump through my computer screen after i say this you never saw infinity war and you lied to us oh i never said i saw infinity war i haven't and oh, sorry i spoiled have you jump through my computer screen about is i actually didn't even watch the trailer for this I, I, I was able to pick up little bits and pieces from the you know, reactions because I feel like once I jumped off the Marvel ship, aside from like Ryan Coogler doing Black Panther, you know, once I jumped off board maybe four or five years ago, I just didn't have any sort of investment with this franchise, with these characters, anything that has to do with it. I think it's interesting how they balance this universe across different films. But then when we hear that, okay, these characters quote unquote, died at the end of the last one, but they're going to be back for this one. It just gives me no reason to even care about what happens. Well, and I mean, well, you've been pretty vocal about how Endgame does have to bring a permanent end to some characters. Infinity War did bring a permanent end to uh, some characters, like two, I think, like Vision and... No, it didn't. Vision, yeah. No, I mean, like, well... Yes. Yeah, I've heard... If they're going back in time, other everyone's coming back. Oh my God! Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, know, hers felt final to me. And so- snow in the oh. snap. Uh, like Loki's TV show that Marvel's doing uh, takes place after Endgame. See, like the lamest thing they can do with Endgame is retire "quote unquote" characters instead of actually kill the characters. Right. That's gonna yeah. that's gonna destroy me. Infuriating to do that. Yeah. So I want to see them have some balls like Logan did, you know, actually kill the damn character, 
you know, close this chapter and have confidence to move on. I never thought I'd be the cynical one here, but really, no. really, you with Marvel yeah. being cynical. I have heard, I've heard that at least one of the actors is genuinely dying in this. Well, Would that be the voyage of Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> we're n- we're not going to do spoilers, but one or two. I th- I think they are genuinely going to finally kill somebody. Yeah. So I'm being guardedly optimistic. Well, so Michael, I can understand from like an outside perspective, because it really does kind of, when you hear that the stakes, you know, can just be fixed with time travel or whatever is going to end up happening. I totally understand where you're coming from. But there is just something I don't know about the whole experience of this franchise that still sucks me in. I still got excited when I saw this trailer. I still want to see how, you know, what happens. But I can understand if, if you're off the ship kind of being like, okay, well, what's the point of that? There's something to be said for the way that Kevin Feige is able to hold this all together and keep a majority of people invested. I realize it's, I'm not yeah. the majority here. That's mm-hmm. impressive. You know, you give him like an honorary Oscar for that just for making it all happen. But you know, as for the content itself, it's either you're on board or you're not. And I just find it interesting, too, because I remember, Michael, when you jumped off, I was ready to jump off myself. I was not enjoying a l- what movie was it? Oh, it was it was like Avengers Ultron didn't like it. Door to Dark oh, World yeah. didn't like it. Iron Man yeah. 2 and 3 didn't like it. No, like, I, I just had like this patch where I just wasn't really into what Marvel was doing. And then the last almost two years with Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Spider-Man Homecoming, it's like they got me back, you know? They, they really, really got me back. And uh, even re-watching Civil War, a film that I was a little lukewarm on when I first saw it, I liked it a lot more a second time. So, ah, you know, like, I'm in it at this point. And and also get to see some of them. Like, I like that they do with the individual Spider-Man movies and the individual Black Panther movies. But when they're all together, that's where it sort of loses me. I, I really get that because I kind of jumped ship and I only honestly got back into it because my 15-year-old sister is a huge Marvel fan and she, one time when I was home, sat me down and was like, we're watching Thor Ragnarok. And I was like, all right, whatever. And that's kind of what got me back in was I was like, all right, they're willing to do something a little bit different now. So, and then with Black Panther following that, I was like, all right, we're back on the show. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how I felt too. Like I really liked Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 more than Volume 1 and it's just... You know, it was just like this string of hits for me. And Captain Marvel is a film that I, I don't rank high in my MCU uh, ranking. However, um, it's still something very, very exciting, much in the same way Black Panther was last year for representation on screen from a large studio franchise. And of course, with the news that Carol Danvers uh, is going to be leading uh, the Avengers moving forward post Avengers Endgame as kind of the, uh, le- you know, the de facto leader after Tony Stark uh, gives me hope and also at the same time uh, a lot of curiosity for what storytelling possibilities could come of that for the future. And at the same time, what does that mean for Brie Larson's career? Will she be doing what Robert Downey Jr. did for a decade or will she be able to balance this with, you know, strong character projects? Oh, I'm sure that she'll actually be able to use this to her advantage to get those strong character projects financed and made. Like, that I, I fully intend to see Brie Larson doing uh, more of these smaller films. And because she, and because she is who she is now, uh, with this level of recognition, those films will get the green light. Right, Downey made a choice, too. I mean, he said back in, I don't know, like 2009, 2010, that for a little while he only wanted to do Sherlock Holmes and Iron Man movies. 
you know, like, I think if he had wanted to go off and do in indie comedy, he could have if he wanted to. I think he was just perfectly content. I think Brie Larson is more of a hunger to keep doing fun stuff. Yeah. I mean, the closest he came was what? Due date? (laughs) The judge? Yes. The judge. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. (laughs) Well, in any event, though, that's one trailer down. Uh, Let's keep uh, news within the MCU here for a second. James Gunn, rehired by Disney, is going to be directing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and, in a shocking twist, is still signed on to also direct DC's sequel to Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad 2, making him the first director to direct two films in both universes. Uh, Like, And Will Smith is out. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I heard a rumor like Don Cheadle was coming to do something or Idris Elba. No, they confirmed it's Idris. Okay. I heard something about like Don Cheadle before the Idris was there, and that would have been weird because he's already in the MCU. So, yeah. well, so Actually, is Idris, Idris, Idris is in the MCU. Too. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that's interesting that James Gunn is doing both. Uh, you know, we all know how it played out over the summer. I don't necessarily think Disney should have reversed their decision. I think once they made a decision, they should have stuck to it as controversial as it may have been. But, I mean, in terms of, you know, what it's going to mean and that there's a director working on both sides, maybe that'll happen again with another director. Who knows? See, I wonder how much of the decision to bring him back was moral values versus they legitimately could not find somebody to do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I think it was a little bit of both. Mm. I think it was primarily the latter, and I think they probably realized this is still a very lucrative franchise, and. Yeah, the cast probably rebelled too. Oh, they did. That they had the open letter. Yep. You know, Dave Bautista was very vocal about it. Yeah, and I don't think James Gunn should have been like banned from Hollywood or anything like that. Like he could continue to have these movies. I, you know, I just think once Disney made that call after what his tweets said, you know, Disney being Disney, I think it was the right call in the moment. But look, if they're trying to go back and look at it from that perspective, I'm not going to, you know boycott or anything like that yeah i'm kind of with you there michael in that sense and i i i get it like if you're gonna make a decision stick to the decision uh you know stand up for what you choose to do but at the same time it was the wrong decision initially anyway in my opinion to let him go uh he had clearly shown that he had changed and there were never any other incidences since then and i understand that disney is this machine of a company that has a public image that needs to be maintained totally get that totally understandable I think firing him was honestly rash and premature. And there was a way to probably maybe punish him, maybe to some degree, to show that they were not, you know, just taking a backslide on this. Um, there, there, was, there was never route they could have gone, you know? No? Don't agree? Uh, I mean, uh, nothing I'm going to say is going to change anything. So it's like not even uh, worth going into. The, the decision is made. The movies are greenlit and off they go. I guess for me, like, I understand why they took that choice. Disney is, you know, a family company that creates entertainment aimed at children. Um, So they have kind of a different image to uphold than other film companies, if that makes sense. But I also think that, like, he did react well. Like, he actually apologized. Like, and again, it's things that he said, not things that he did, if that makes sense to me. Like, I've seen people compare him to, like, Kevin Spacey and things like that. And I don't know that that's actually an apt comparison. Um, So, you know, it does, I I also get that, like, it does feel a little bit weird for Disney to have made the decision and then backtracked on it. 
But I also think they're taking notes from the academy. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. (laughs) But I also do believe that you know, like for people who have done, who have said things, there is definitely room for a second chance if they seem to genuinely have changed and be remorseful and whatnot. So I don't want to say that like they shouldn't have taken him back. I'm going to just slide in this uh, question we received this week uh, from the Nim Dude. Uh, He asked us, or she, I'm not exactly sure, I assume he, because dude, but anyway. um, I think a very important topic is separating the art from the artist. Does the personal life of a filmmaker or actor affect your desire to watch their work? Is it still okay to like uh, these bad people's movies? For example, um, how do you feel about rewatching something like The Usual Suspects with Kevin Spacey involved, or a Woody Allen, a Roman Polanski film, etc.? I always believe in separating art from the artist. You know, I know that's not as easy for everyone to do, but it's the philosophy I've taken. But in the context of James Gunn, I don't think he's a bad person at all. I just think it was Disney making a decision from their business end. Like I said, it's not like he should be condemned out of making movies. You know, but just for that question in general, yeah, I'm always to separate art from the artist type of person. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I always try and think of it. There, ne- one person doesn't make a movie. It's a collection of artists. And I do have issue with kind of punishing the rest of the people who put something great together just because of one person's actions. I won't say that I don't think about it sometimes. You know, now, like when I when I do see certain things or think about certain films, it is interesting that it puts like a little gut punch in me like, oh, He's in that, but it necessarily isn't going to stop me from watching it or, you know, commending the art itself. Mm. Yep. I, and I think there's, there's, for me at least, not a judgmental one, but a difference is if to see a Roman Polanski film or a Woody Allen film or a James Gunn film, they're not, they're usually not present. Spacey might be a little more difficult because when I see him, I can see that terrible video he did about, you know, a couple of months ago. Uh, you know, trying to talk his way back into the industry. Um, but uh, it's, it's, I agree with Michael. It's the, uh, it's, you have to separate the art from the artist. Sticking with uh, James Gunn here, he is actually uh, producing a new film called Brightburn, which we got a trailer for this week that is also written by uh, Mark Gunn and Brian Gunn. So it's like all the guns are involved, but none of them are actually directing. Uh, this is a director I don't think I've ever heard of before, David. Yaroveski, and this movie is starring Elizabeth Banks, David Denham, and it, well, let's take a look at this, and, you know, we'll, we'll discuss. Mom, who am I? You are a gift. We believe that you came here for a reason. I know it's been difficult for you lately, that you feel different from other kids. Just the floor, Brian! <laughs> you are different. Caitlin, get my hand up. He's a creep. Help him up. What are you doing? I want him in handcuffs and I want him gone. Do you even know who his real mother is? I'm his real mother. Let's go. Maybe there is something wrong with Brandon. Turn against our son. He's not our son. Hey, who's messing with me? 
something wrong? Boy around by chance. You're one of the only people in the world that knows how special I am. There are believed to be no survivors among the 268 passengers on board. I know there is good inside you. Um, this is interesting because you're taking essentially the concept of Superman, right? If Superman crash landed on Earth and instead of being this godlike hero that protected the people from a place of good actually turned out to be evil and oh we're gonna flip that uh he discovers that he's evil as a kid so it's like a creepy superman kid that's terrorizing this small uh you know farm village town with elizabeth banks <laughs> running around oh man this looks absolutely wacky bizarre and you know honestly it could be one of the more fun films actually in terms of uh genre uh this year so you have all the gun siblings except for sean gunn from gilmore girls where's he <laughs> where's he in all this uh, not not involved apparently hmm. they excluded their brother it looks like I've it's... been excited about it because the first trailer dropped in like a what november or something i mean i've been been really amped for this project honestly i love unique horror concepts i think my favorite aspect of this trailer is they use the exact same font from the man of steel uh trailer yeah that was like a little little twist that i was like oh my god they're leaning so heavily into it they're not even trying to hide it and it is beautiful shots to remind me of like the Terrence Malick light shots that they used in Man of Steel too, you know, like yeah, the shaky cam. Oh, we're gonna show this cutaway of farm equipment against a cloudy day. Am I wrong to say that I I got off the Devil Kid train years ago, and I'm not sure I want to get back on? I don't blame you. Devil, he's just a superhero. (laughs) Is he a superhero though, or a supervillain? I mean, how many supervillain origin stories do we get? Not many, actually. I mean, we did just get Venom, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's not really a villain per se. Like, that's true. This kid's pretty clearly objectively evil. I'm, I'm honestly excited about that. To me, honestly, the concept of it seems cooler than the trailer did. If that makes sense. Like, I love the idea of it. The idea of like twisting this whole Superman uh, thing kind of on its head, but the trailer didn't make me quite as excited for it i i I can understand that i i I definitely can yeah because there are certain beats within the trailer that other than the part where he like flies very very quickly like tackles uh someone yeah Mm. yeah like that like that moment was genuinely like oh shit like i actually that was like a jump scare right there in the trailer that got me you know (laughs) how about that eye moment Oh, see, like, that's where the trailer kind of loses me a little bit. It just felt like it played a bit too much into some of those, like, as you said, Tom, demon kid tropes. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute, though. You're talking about the uh, the eye lasers. I think Will was referring to the uh, 
uh, the what 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 even is it in the eye? Will what like what are they poking at there? Uh, it, it's it's a piece of like the light bulb explodes and the shard ends up in her eye. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Yeah, this is going to be fun. You know, for those of us that like, you know, like genre horror and with a bit of a unique twist, uh, this could be something very, very unique and different and could provide, like I said before, some good, solid popcorn fun over the summer and not necessarily in a large scale way, like, you know, some of the Marvel films or Disney films, and things like that, but just on a different uh, level here. So uh, I'm very curious because it is from a director, like we said again, that we don't know much of their work, if any of their work. So uh, I'll be very, very curious to see. Not to mention, too, Elizabeth Banks in general is set to have a uh, pretty pretty big year uh, with both this and Charlie's Angels uh, coming out later on in the year, too. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how it all kind of plays into uh, some sort of a narrative, maybe, uh, for her. Is this one over Memorial Day? Uh, May 24th. Okay, yeah, so Memorial Day. You know, it's interesting. I was looking back, like, the last couple of years, and that weekend is not the big box office uh weekend that it used to be like back in the 90s it's really where a lot of duds come yeah like solo last year then a couple of years ago that x-men movie and uh alice in wonderland sequel pirates of the caribbean like movies don't really do so well here now so uh, well i think it's just because of an oversaturated market you know back in the day where movies used to do well over that time frame it was because the big movie came out then it's surrounding it were much smaller films now we're getting high tempo studio big blockbuster films every it almost feels like every week <laughs> yeah, pretty like much yeah. land and men in black three and it's like it seems like that's just where they're dumping these movies before june starts well yeah it's it's just what matt said there was a time when we only had a few blockbusters a year and now that's almost exclusively what comes out other than low budget indies yeah it's pretty wild. So it's not a special weekend anymore. Instead, you're going to dump your Avengers movie in April, which, yeah. you know, was unheard of. Yeah. All right. Let's take a bit of a, uh, a break here. Let's talk about the polls uh, really quick. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners, so if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talk about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this. Stop, 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 shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And shut up, I shut wonder who the guy back in God damn it, shut up. I think that's enough. Sticking with, I guess, these big budget uh, type of films, uh, last week's poll uh, was centered around Captive State. We asked everyone which is their favorite alien invasion film. So last week on the podcast, uh, we got a couple of different answers from some people. Uh, if I remember correctly, Michael, you were quick to cite uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, correct? I was. Yeah. Tom, what did you, uh, what, what was your pick for your favorite alien invasion film? It may, may not be quite the film that Close Encounters is, but I still have a soft spot for Annihilation. Okay. Nice. Uh, Nicole? Honestly, I don't know that I have like a favorite alien invasion film. I don't think I've seen enough to like definitively say that one is a favorite. Okay. Deanne? Oh. It hasn't changed. It's Arrival and will probably always be Arrival. Uh, and Will? Well, now that is some fucked up shit. Slither. 
Oh, good choice. Mm. You know, I, I hate to say it, but I did not have that on the uh, list. So I'm actually really curious to see if that got any write-in votes at all from anyone. Maybe it got one from you. I don't know. Uh, nope, no write-ins. Sorry. Damn. That's a good choice, though, there, Will. Uh, in any event, though, uh, this was pretty much a no contest here with over 100 votes uh, just blowing everything else out of the water. Arrival is clearly everyone's favorite alien invasion film. Uh, and for probably good reason, too. You know, it's the kind of movie that doesn't take the uh, aliens are attacking and there's a war, big special effects and action. It's a much different kind of a sci-fi alien invasion film, unlike anything else uh, that we've seen, probably going back to, like Michael said, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, it's very layered and it's really not even about the invasion. It's more about the other concepts. So that means we have, you know, smart listeners, sounds like. Oh, we always have smart listeners. You ask me. (laughs) You had mentioned E.T. after I said Close Encounters. And even though I prefer E.T. as a movie and it's about an alien, I don't consider that like an alien invasion movie, even though Close Encounters isn't really either. E.T. is more like a friendship. But Close Encounters plays it off like it is an alien invasion until it's revealed that it's not. You know, like the the panic and hysteria from the people, you know, is definitely played up like it it is at first, you know? I love Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That is... I gotta rewatch that. I saw that in theaters for like the 40th anniversary or whatever it was a couple of years ago. Like it was all 4K scan, new sound. It was truly amazing. Well, next week's film is us. Jordan Peele's follow up to Get Out. Going Thursday night. I can't wait. Me too. Yep, I have my tickets Friday morning. <laughs> so for this week's poll, we're asking everyone which is their favorite doppelganger or double film. So a movie involving a doppelganger or a double. Let me list off some of the options here, and I'll ask you all what what your favorite is. So we have Adaptation, Black Swan, Dave, Dead Ringers, Doppelganger, The Double, The Double Life of Veronique, Enemy, Femme Fatale, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Cage Musha, Lost Highway, The Man Who Haunted Himself, Moon, Mulholland Drive, Obsession, Persona, Possession, The Prestige, Primer, Solaris, Suture, Us, Vertigo, and if that wasn't enough, there is a write-in option as well. So, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Doesn't Annihilation need to be on that list? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. Yeah, I guess so. So there might be some write-ins there. That's actually not my choice. I would go with another Portman film. I love Black Swan. So that would be my pick. I do want to just say, because you just maybe curiously look at the write-ins, uh, Deanne, really quickly mm-hmm. to see if it was there. And I just saw one that just made me laugh a little bit. Uh, somebody wrote <laughs> Somebody wrote in the social network. I was thinking that when you said it. I, I was really thinking that was going to be on your list. Yeah. I, well, it didn't. that did not occur to me. Uh, and that's that's a great choice by somebody that, to put that in there. Listen, I can't cite every well, film. I'm going to name, you're going to want to add to the list also. What's that? Vertigo. Oh, Vertigo's on there. Oh, you said Vertigo? Yeah, it was the, la- it was the last one. So. Okay, then that's it. Vertigo. Yeah, nice. Vertigo's oh, definitely like my pick. Okay. Tom? Yeah. I, uh, Vertigo is one of the greatest films of all time, but as far as doppelgangers go, I'm really, I'm a Black Swan fan. Oh, oh man. She's so good in that. Uh, Will? The Parent Trap. Wait, wait, wait <laughs> with Lindsay Lohan? I was thinking about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Take me back. Oh my gosh! Doppelganger, though—that's a twin. Oh well, neither is adaptation. Well, well, the the question is, which is your favorite doppelganger or double film? I added or double. 
So hey, I don't I know. Just, we, half of the ones on Matt's list aren't like evil doppelgangers. It's just like, oh, we're doing that little split screen effect where we put them both on the screen at the same time, like the Social Network. Yeah, exactly. The original Parent Trap, I hope. No, no, the good one. <laughs> oh, oh dear! Mm, I love this, the Nancy Myers parent this trap. This is a so conversation much. for another podcast, I think. <laughs> I do love that movie. Well, I'm with you on that. That's so good. Isn't that movie two and a half hours long? Uh, uh, it didn't less. Feel like it's like it. two ten. Okay. Okay. Nancy Myers movie. What do you? Call? I remember as a kid feeling like that movie was long. The prank sequence really had a lasting impact on me really shaped a lot of who i am today wait with the gecko <laughs> well, no 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 no, no, no. when they, they open they, the door at, at, they they prank the entire cabin at the camp oh the back and that prank war yes that had a huge impact on me and they get marched up to isolation cabin yes yes sleepaway camp that. then okay. may be a doppelganger movie with your with your definition well I am going by Matt's definition because he put like adaptation in there and stuff too. You know, like uh, if this were just evil doppelgangers, there could be another answer. But uh... oh, and and while we're at it, we have uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, Matt. Because oh my god, <laughs> that's just true. Go watch the movie Dave if you haven't. Dave is so wonderful. Dave is really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a movie that not a lot of people have seen that they should definitely check out. How about Kevin the Great Dictator? Oh man, it's a good choice. I don't have that on here. Oh. See, like this is what I mean though. I can't list like a hundred options, but No, it's hard no. to make those lists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh for me, uh, I I and I know I know that Will's already pointed it out a couple of times here, but uh, adaptation holds a special place in my heart. Uh just because I saw it at a time in my life when I was really studying screenwriting. And I think that film is one of the most brilliantly written films ever made. So and God help you if you use voice God help you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great movie too i love it love it so I, much Nicolas cage. that might be my favorite nicholas cage performance Ooh. Ooh, that's tough that's for another time brian cox is so great in that how to get burned how to get burned how to get burned i think wicker man takes the cake right that or vampire's kiss i mean when he punches the the person in the bear costume i mean clearly that's academy award-winning material right there <laughs> i'm a vampire i'm a no vampire. i i would go with the rock I love him in that movie. You're the rocket man. <laughs> I think we need God on our side right now. Uh, I think we should leave God out of it. That's totally from the queen, FYI. Uh, so moving on now from that, uh, the final, uh, right? Final trailer? Yeah. So we do have one more trailer uh, to discuss for uh, this episode here. And this one was quite a doozy. Definitely set the internet on fire for pretty much the entire day it was up online. And that is the full-length trailer for Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. Let's, mm. let's take a look at this one. You stumbled upon an opportunity. I can make you rich. Rich enough to impress a princess. What would I have to do? There's a cave of wonders. Bring me the lamp. 
one who summons me. I stand by my oath. Loyalty to wishes three. I'm kidding. Watch this. Watch out. Uh. You done wound me up. You ain't never had a friend like me. Hey, can you make me a prince? There is a lot of gray area in make me a prince. I could just make you a prince. Oh, no. Y'all see my palace? You look like a prince on the outside. But I didn't change anything on the inside. Showtime. No, I'm in charge, okay? I say when it's time. Really? I thought a princess could go anywhere. Not this princess. Do you trust me? Don't you dare close your eyes. Hold your breath, it gets better. I am no Guy Ritchie fan, to be honest. Like, I don't like your Sherlock Holmes movies. I don't really like anything else that he's done. And I was not feeling this from the first teaser trailer or the first time we saw Blue Will Smith. But I have to say, something about this one, it still doesn't look like a home run by any stretch of the imagination. But something about this one sold me. Yeah, I I wouldn't say sold, but it feels less garbagey than the previous trailers did maybe they start playing a whole new world which that does a lot on its own like i get goosebumps anytime i hear that song see now i'm actually on the other side of the fence here i i can't get over how aesthetically displeasing this movie looks to me it looks cheap compared to like beauty and the beast and what we're seeing with the lion king it does look cheap but i'm never gonna pass up a live action disney remake like this yeah, I, I don't understand why this movie just does not have a desire to want to use contrast and shadows. Some of those desert scenes just look so blown out to the point that it just it legitimately does not look good. And I could not imagine sitting in the theater, especially if I have a improperly calibrated uh, screening at like one of the uh, local theater chains and not like an actual screening room. I can't imagine like watching this movie, uh, you know, with just ah, uh, like it's not it's not like Alice in Wonderland eyesore, you know, bad. But at the same time, from it's cheap, exactly that. Yeah, you said it before. Yeah. That is the best word. You're right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no nuance in it from from for anything. It looks like everything is on the nose, particularly Will Smith. Well, yeah, let's talk about that because we all thought <laughs> we all thought Will Smith was going to be blue the entire movie and it looks like that he is not. It looks like he is in human form for a portion of the film. So, now do we know this? What do we think of that? Well, we knew that already. We knew that before the first teaser well, because remember, first there was a controversy because there was a a scene or later there was an on-set photo and I guess uh, another teaser that had him in human form. People are like, what is this crap? I want a blue genie. And then we got the blue genie. Well, that's the thing is like, I know that existed, but I think it was less so confirmation and more speculation. Like people didn't know if he was going to be blue or not. And then of course, when the first so teaser. We literally saw, we literally saw like official images from the film and like entertainment weekly article where like a screenshot from the film that Disney themselves released that showed Will Smith in human form 
a couple of them, and then he had to do an interview saying, "Yes, I'm human some of the time, but then I'm also blue." And people are like, oh, "Okay, we'll wait right, and that see." That was back in the fall. But even if you saw the original Aladdin, Genie turns into a human. He disguises himself for a portion of the movie. He is also walking on two legs at times. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing what we know now and seeing it visually, though, Will, what do you make of the portrayal of the genie through Will Smith in this? Uh, not great. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that just because we have the comparison of Robin Williams? I think it's, part of it. it's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some legacy to that character there. That was so amazing when that film came out. I am struggling. I am not excited for this at all. I'm, I'm even having a hard time deciding if I'm going to see it. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, do we know, um, Michael, if any new songs are being written for the film? Yes, they're using a lot of the original Alan Menken songs, like Whole New World, Arabian Nights, Prince Ali, all those. But there are a few new songs written by Pasek and Paul. Of course, it's Pasek oh, and Paul. Oh, <laughs> yes. So Alan Menken is doing, like, they're, they are repeating the original songs, but Pasek and Paul have a few new contributions. Hmm. I just want to point out, even though I don't even know if he's in the trailer, um, I can't remember, so I apologize if he is. But the fact that Billy uh, Magnuson, who I think is like the perfect typecast for just playing complete douchebags on screen, is playing the uh, potential husband for Princess Jasmine, is it just makes me laugh that he keeps getting typecast as these ty- types of roles, <laughs> you know? Welcome to the woods and now this. Uh. <laughs> And it's, and I found it interesting that they, uh, the uh, actor they cast as Jafar, yeah, is way younger than the animated version. Well, it's the hot can Jafar we... meme. Everyone's like thirsting over this new Jafar. Yeah, can we just address that they've made Jafar hot, which is a really bizarre move? <laughs> I, I wonder how much of that is they didn't want to portray an older, not so hot like character lusting after Jasmine on screen. But isn't yeah. that the point? Yeah. But he's like creepy and gross. Can't wait till Chris Pine plays Judge Frollo in. (laughs) Now, has anyone seen the Aladdin Broadway musical? I have. I've seen it too. And they make a number of changes from the original movie there. It's actually pretty good. I was not super impressed, but I do think that they dealt with the genie particularly well. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Uh, The actor who played the genie and won the Tony for it, uh, James Honorow Eichelhart. That is a performance that is turned up, you've heard turned up to 11, this is turned up to 15. You know, he is just insane, over the top, manic, crazy, crazy. I don't think Will Smith is going to bring an ounce of that energy to this movie. He looks like he's sort of rapping Friend Like Me, which I wasn't a huge fan of. But, you know, go watch the Tony clip of James Monroe Aglehart performing Friend Like Me, and you'll see just how crazy over the top he is. And how that's what we expect from the genie. So we'll see if Will Smith could do it. I have my doubts, but I still want to see this movie. Smith needs a new agent. Yeah, I'm, well, we'll see what Gemini Man produces later this year also for him. Uh, I'm not too hopeful about that one. Yeah. I think it has seven credited writers. I, I was posting about that earlier this week. It's pretty intense. I watched, I rewatched last year, like over the summer, Six Degrees of Separation. And Will Smith, you know, factoring his Fresh Prince, Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air days, so great in Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah, that's a good movie. It takes his charisma and puts it to such good use. <coughs> it's such a shame that we can't see it anymore. He does, you know, concussion, which he was okay in, but that and After Earth and whatever else he has. Uh, Bright. Winter's uh, Bright. Yeah. I From am West legend. Born I have to ask this question. If you can bring back 
James Earl Jones to play Mufasa in The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Why can't we get Gilbert Gottfried to play Iago? No, no offense to Alan Tudyk. Well, because he had a uh, sexual harassment. <gasps> what? He fired. From, he was. He used to be the Aflac duck, and they fired him. I think because he was sexually harassed. No, people. not sexual harassment for that. He made a uh, very poor joke. Oh my joke. gosh! I did not following know this. The, yes, following the uh, big tsunami back in Japan back in 2011. Oh god! He made a really. Oh. A joke in really poor taste, and they fired. Well, him now I have my answer to that question. I did not know that about him, and I guess that's also why uh, he's been kind of MIA for me. And I, I just naturally assumed, you know, because he can't, obviously, you know, Robin Williams is no longer with us, and Abu doesn't really have a voice uh, performance, and, and like so, it only made sense that why wouldn't they try to at least bring back uh, Gilbert Gottfried for just well, a voice performance Abu aspect? It does have the same voice. It's a uh, Frank. Uh, oh, what's his name from the Simpsons? And uh, Oh, um, Frank Welker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Frank Welker does Abu. Now, Abu's not even in the Broadway musical. They cut him entirely. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. He'll probably just have a small supporting role in this movie. You have uh, Frank Welker as Abu and Alan Tudyk as Iago. Well, I mean, I'm not excited. I got to be honest. But at the same time, I'm going to see it. (laughs) Yeah, as someone who's like a big proponent and a big defender of the Disney live action films, because on the whole, I really enjoy them. Like the live action Cinderella is honestly one of my favorite films of all time. Like nobody ever talks about that one, though. That's the best. It is in my top 10 films ever. Amazing. But I'm not excited for this. Like I've tried to stay on board. And I think this final trailer, I'm like. I probably will see it, but only because I have the AMC A list. So, like, I don't think I would purposely pay for this movie. <laughs> God bless AMC A list. Well, that magic carpet ride, whole new world, is enough to you know that that'll get people excited. I hope. Okay, uh, moving on from that now. Uh, so, South by Southwest ended uh, this week finally uh, with the closing night film of Pet Cemetery, which got some pretty good notices. Uh, Will, you would keep a pretty heavy track of that last evening. What seems to be the word on that? Yeah, um, it seems like everything that's come out of South by people just cack themselves over, and then reactions and actual trade reviews are a little more muted. Um, I do think people were feeling a little bit hyperbolic last night after the Pet Cemetery screening ended because I started seeing reactions trickle in a little bit later when the fest hype died down saying, yeah, it's it's scary, but it's not actually that amazing. But the initial reactions were fantastic, and now the consensus seems to be it's it's an above-average horror. Okay. You know, it it's, sounds scary, sounds... Like, it's another interesting meditation on grief. Um, I I don't think it's going to end up being a masterpiece, but it sounds like between that and us, we have a nice little April for horror coming. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Not to mention uh, Booksmart, like, which I mentioned earlier, looks like it's going to be a breakout hit possibly for Olivia Wilde. It's also awesome to see Beanie. Don't forget the beach bum. What, what about the beach bum? I said don't forget the beach bum. It's, oh, God. It's garbage. That's a- oh, I was going to say, I'm like, I don't think beach bum is going to do business. <laughs> but- you know, Booksmart, I watched the trailer for that. It looks good, and the reviews have obviously been enthusiastic. But I don't like everyone saying, oh, this is the new Lady Bird. New Lady no, Bird. Well, this is not that kind well, of a movie. about eighth grade, and Lady Bird was Lady Bird. This is more like Edge of Seventeen, probably. Yeah, it looks like, I think they're trying to sell it on the ranch, which I think is the wrong approach. I don't know. It just seems like 
tell me what your movie is. Don't just tell me all well, the crude. I like that this is being marketed as a female super bad. That's different. That's a little different. No, I don't know. I, I saw the trailer for this, and then that Jacob Tremblay movie with Seth Rogen. Oh, see now that I, I yeah, know, I was not impressed by that. Maybe I'm just becoming a grumpy old man here, but I just I, I can't. Something about it. it's just too. Crude. If anybody should be becoming a grumpy old man, it's me. Tom, I'm I'm joining you soon. No. <laughs> Michael was born a grumpy old man. Though, yeah, right? it's true. It's true. Uh, but Kay- Caitlin Dever, I'm very excited to see uh, what else she does. Another short term 12 uh, actor who just seems to be breaking out now at this time. So, you know, she's been in some other stuff before, like Detroit. Spectacular now. She was in the front runner last year. Beautiful boy. Oh, I yeah, that's right. Feldstein. I met her. Uh, I met Feeney after Hello, Dolly. She's very nice in person. Great in Lady Bird and many movies. So I hope this is a nice Did you guys see the review that said she looks like she could be related to Jonah Hill? And people are like, um, she is. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, but that's amazing. Well, this is one to definitely keep our eyes on as far as just uh, directorial debuts this year for Olivia Wilde. Uh, she seems to be getting a lot of great notices for this. So I'm definitely looking forward with much anticipation there. I just want to say I dog sit for the writer. So, yay. Okay, nice. And uh, Michael? <laughs> she also wrote Set It Up. I don't know if we talked about it last week or not, but they had the reactions to Longshot with Charlie's there. And oh, Morgan. yeah. No, yeah. We talked about that. Uh, Josh Williams actually wrote up a great review. He gave it a uh, uh, either an eight or a nine. Uh, he was very yeah, positive I on it. I see that. I was on Twitter, I think, on Monday. Frank Oz, who we all know and love, was at uh, South by Southwest. And I think he was doing like a panel there about something. And he got to see Longshot. And he was just raving about it. He said it felt like a screwball comedy from the 30s placed into our current culture. And he, he just said it was fantastic. Yeah. Now, there was a lot of really great reactions coming out of South by Southwest this year. It's actually convinced me to maybe want to check it out next year. Uh, just, you know, just to go once and just see what's up. Because I feel like each year it keeps, you know, growing in prominence and the films that keep coming there are, uh, you know, less obscure, more mainstream and, you know, definitely something that's worth checking out. Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of Frank Oz, I know I think, I think Will brought this up last week. We were talking about the great cast for the Ryan Johnson movie, uh, Knife Salt. Turns out Frank Oz is joining the cast. Get out of here. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they worked together on uh, Last Jedi with Yoda. So it Makes perfect sense, I suppose. All right. Well, uh, with South by out of the way, um, I'm going to just end this episode here with uh, some quick questions from our fans. We'll get through these very quickly, and then we'll close out this week here. So uh, this one comes from Michelle Fowles. After watching Zodiac for the thousandth time, I still cannot believe that movie did not receive a single Oscar nomination, even though There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men appeared in more top 10 lists in two, two Oh, yeah, so only those films appeared in more top 10 lists in 2007. So my question is, what is the greatest film in the last 19 years, so since 2000, to not receive a single Oscar nomination? Oh, my goodness. You're going to have to give me a second here. Yeah, not a single nomination. Okay, that's hard. You know what you got to just do? You got to just do best films of each year and just work your way backwards. Yeah. Yeah, four hours later. Uh, All right. Um, Personally, for me... I would say Calvary. I adore that movie. Oh, speaking of Irish films. Yes. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day. And uh, Matt, unfortunately for the rest of the episode, all I'm going to be doing is speaking in some sort of a Irish accent. 
or an like attempt at one. For those who have uh, listened to the show before, you will know that this is not new. Will has done this before. <laughs> so I'm going to go with a movie that I really love from 2004, and it sort of got mixed reviews at the time, but I think it's really brilliantly done. The production design is great. The costumes, the performances, direction. I really, really love this movie, and that is uh, lovely. Oh, good choice. Uh, that is very much a Michael Schwartz movie. It's a movie that introduced me to my love of Cole Porter music, and I think Kevin Klein and Ashley Judd are really phenomenal. It's directed in a really unique way, where it starts with old Cole Porter, who I guess has just died, looking back on a version of his life. Like everyone comes into his life to do like a big musical performance, and then it goes back scene by scene to show the big moments that define who he was. Mm. Interesting biopic, and Kevin Klein is magnificent. So I'll go with another Irish-themed, um, Irish locale film, which is Sing Street. I loved that film, and I thought the music deserved some recognition. So um, I was disappointed to see that not getting any nominations. It was my number three of the year. I will throw a shout-out to Edge of Tomorrow. Wow, that's random. Which I felt should have at least gotten an editing nomination or sound or something. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow was good. I'm not saying it's the best, but that should have gotten some sort of, like something, you know? Like it should have been the lone sound editing nominee. What about film editing, Matt? Yeah, yeah, Honestly, totally. The editing in that is fantastic. I mean, like yeah, I can make a claim for that. I can make a claim for uh, Moon. Would have loved to have seen Sam Rockwell get a nomination for that. Just to name a couple other ones, um, Casino Royale, It's a Crime. It wasn't yeah. anything. Uh, editing, one of the sounds, original song, that Chris Cornell song is fantastic. Um, I would also say Old Boy. Oh, yeah. That's a good choice. Uh, you know, we brought it up before, Short Term 12. Short Term 12, mm-hmm. fantastic yeah. movie. Just uh, off the top of my head. I actually would say something just from this past year, which is blind spotting, which I really thought, like, if it had come from more well-known writers, could have gotten a screenplay nom. You it's- know what else deserved a screenplay nomination? Not from this past year, but in the past almost 20 years? Mean Girls. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it was close. So close. Too. I mean, it got the WGA nomination, Critics' Choice nomination. I mean, I, I think it was probably, like, number six in that uh, in that lineup. Yeah. I think uh, Hairspray deserves something in 2007, at least for the actors. It got the SAG nomination. And, I mean, this was one of our favorite films last year. We got to mention Eighth Grade. Yeah, of course, Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade, and uh, I, I've obviously been standing for the hate you give. I'm still salty that it... Yeah. Yeah. Let's shut out. Okay. Uh, so then the next question... Uh, from our fans here. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so this one comes from Al Robinson. Roland Emmerich and Sam Mendes both have war films coming out later this year. Do you think either or both should be considered early contenders for the Oscars? Well, on paper, the Sam Mendes one sounds like it could contend across the board. You know, you have Best Picture, Best Director, all the text, obviously. But that movie is set to open in December, and I don't even know if they've started filming it. I, I know nothing about who's in it, what the deal is. Will, do you know anything about that? They started casting recently. I think it is supposed to start filming soon. I mean, like, uh, late, Tom Hooper's Les Mis didn't start filming until the beginning of the summer in 2012, and it was out No, like no, no. They, they, the trailer came out in early June. They filmed that in October of 2011. I remember that, yeah. They were still shooting. Okay. Now, it can be done. Yeah, no, it's okay. true. It just seems like for a movie that big, like we had also announced uh, 
the humans that wonderful Broadway play is going to be turned into a movie. That's something that if they would start at the summer, I could see them finishing by the end of the year. But for a big Sam Mendes war movie, that just seems like it's going to need some more time. Last question. How will the Oscars change in the next five to 10 years? This film comes from at Josh D 88. I think we need our own episode for this. <laughs> yeah. You see in the next 10 years? Yeah. Um, the 100th and last Academy Awards. I'm very excited to reach 100. I'm glad I'm going to live to see that. You know, uh, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. So I think it will be interesting because, you know, right now there's a backlash against, oh, you know, there was the supposed idea that, oh, we need to change the specifications to make sure Netflix films can't compete. I think 10, 20 years, it's going to go the opposite direction. I think the Emmys will drop their made-for-TV movie category entirely. Um and the requirements for what constitutes a movie for the Oscars will change a little bit because more and more films are just going to go straight to streaming. So, like, what is a made-for-TV movie really anymore? I mean, how is The Ballad of Buster Scruggs that different from Paterno that HBO did last year with Al Pacino, you know? Yeah. Back in 2015, I was doing, uh, or actually 2016, I was doing my Emmy predictions over a cold derby, checking off, you know, what they had for TV movie. And we didn't really know how it was going to go. And I think one of the things they had listed there was Beasts of No Nations, because we weren't sure what the rules were. So, I mean, now if they're competing for the Oscars, I, I think it's we're going to get to a point where pretty much, you know, streamed movies from any service will be Oscar eligible. I think that's definitely going to be a thing. Well, definitely exciting times are ahead, and there is definitely more to come here from nextbestpicture.com and keeping track of it all. So with this episode in the can, Will, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. Michael? On Twitter at mschwartz95. Deanne? Brooklyn is the best movie in Ireland. (laughs) Um, At TweedledeeD33. Nicole? I'd like to, first of all, just second what Deanne has just said. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at Nicole Ackman 16 And Tom O'Brien. Uh, I would vote for The Quiet Man, and you can find me at, oh. at, at Thomas E. O'Brien. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 134 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a feedback, a comment, something to let us know. It also helps us to get discovered. Also, too, if you're feeling generous, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us such as this week's review of Scream to help us get ready for Jordan Peele's Us. Thank you so much for listening once again. As always, we shall see you all next time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.